It's New Year's Eve, and punk rock DJ Diane Blaze Sullivan is hosting an end-of-the-year countdown celebration in Los Angeles. But when a sadistic killer calls her show and tells her he's going to kill somebody in every time zone as soon as the clock strikes midnight, the night turns sinister. Who is the mysterious evil? Why is he after Blaze? All of this and more in the 1980s slasher cult classic New Year's Evil. I'm Connor Gary. Nice try. Look, it was an app, all right? Can only do so much. <laughs> oh, boy. And this is 2022's last film gasm. <laughs> Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Filmgasm Podcast. Today's episode is New Year's Evil, because it felt like the perfect film to bring in the new year on this podcast. This has been a fun year for the show. We brought in three new players, Colton, Christian, and Isabel. We started two new shows, Beyond the Bad, which has come into its own thanks to Caleb's efforts, and Fake True Stories, which is still in its infant stages, but we're having a ball developing it as we go. Not to mention the exciting and memorable episodes we've done on this podcast and on Oscar Sunday. I still enjoy doing these every week. I'm glad I've been able to find a group of people who have become my closest friends and enjoy this as much as I do. Yeah, this is cool. Still cool. Yeah, man. It never gets old talking about movies. I mean, I do it all the time. And if you got people that you like doing doing it with, why not? Why not, you know, record it and put it out there? And if anybody else enjoys it, all the better. Yeah, this has become therapeutic. It's become a pretty, like crucial part of my life to the point where like I went a week without doing it and I just I felt incomplete <laughs> it's, I've been doing this for so long now I gotta do it or it's it's gonna feel weird I'm trapped <laughs> oh yeah I I love this though and we got a lot of cool stuff planned for 2023 a lot of uh good movies a lot of classics a lot of new stuff it's gonna be great uh so before we get into it my question for you is pretty basic you know New Year's Eve it's you know when we say goodbye to another year and i was just wondering do you have any any new year's resolutions anything you're planning on doing for you next year um yeah i mean there's a couple of things that i kind of have my eye on one of them is a more long-term thing uh one of the others that i'm looking at is trying to buy a house i mean it's it's something that i've wanted to do for a while since i've since i've been in the the Navy and you have a lot of access to resources to, to do those kinds of things. And it's, I feel like it's just kind of time to have a bigger space, stop renting and more or less put down some roots. Um, the, uh, the next one is kind of a dream kind of thing. I know that I can't do what I'm doing right now forever. So trying to keep one eye on the future. And if it's possible, um, Caleb and I are really going to try and work it with uh, another friend of mine. Uh, we're going to try and have a, like a video store, bookstore slash weird shit store. Um, and just be around movies. I mean, that's, it's always been something that I've loved. It's been a source of, you know, infinite joy 
Um, I've learned a lot about myself through movies. Uh, it's helped me kind of relate to people in other ways. And if, if I can do that and make money and bring movies to people, then yeah, I definitely want to do that. And, and I don't want to work for somebody else when I'm done with this. I'm tired of it. I, I, I want my own thing. And yeah, that's aspirations. I don't know that I would have that going next year, but it's it's definitely something I'm going to be pushing harder for. It's ambitious. I love it. Yeah, I can totally see you and Caleb running a weird shit store. That's absolutely that's awesome. It's perfect. Yeah, there's always going to be people who, you know, appreciate hard copy films and, and you know, rare movies and all that shit. There's always going to be that market. And yeah, that's a That's a great goal. Yeah, for real. And I mean, it would it would be something else to uh, to kind of add to just how connected I feel to movies. And there are like certain things I've always wanted to do, like do screenings for for stuff and to host Q&A's and that kind of thing. Go to conventions um, in a more official capacity and to just show my appreciation to the people that make the movies I love. And if if that's one way I can make it happen, then yeah, bring it on. Hell yeah, man. That's fantastic. And if you ever want to have uh, you know, put your books out there, we'll we'll stock your books too. <laughs> that would be sweet. Yeah, I will definitely show up for a signing. <laughs> uh speaking of books, um I've got a lot of different things. This is um pretty much gonna be one of the most important years of my life uh things are going to change regardless of like what whatever happens this year i'm going to be in a much different place by the end of it uh this is the year i finished grad school and i have a thesis to write and i have to get a job as a teacher and that's that's all happening in the next 12 months and that is you know scary but exciting and fun and I'm, you know, it's been a lifelong road to being a teacher. It's something I've always wanted to do, something I, you know, I've gone back and forth on. I've second guessed myself and I'm finally here committing to it. And yeah, that's going to be a, that's, that's my biggest thing to look forward to this year is writing my thesis and becoming a teacher. Uh, in addition, um, Austin and I are, uh, we're going to try to write a book, which is, exciting uh kind of uh our the history of our lives through the lens of film that okay. we're uh look we're, we're, we're writing about like the movies we saw in theaters that impacted our lives and they're connected to big moments in our lives and we're going to kind of just build from there but it's turning into this like encyclopedic like you know who we are in film kind of thing that's just really exciting uh and yeah just you know general you know Try to be better and do better. Just, you know, whatever you can. I got a bike. I'm going to do something with that. Hell yeah. That's, uh, that's that's actually ironic that you brought that up. That That is something I've thought about. Just getting a bike. Um, little goals too. Um, try to uh, write more. Um, be a little bit more proactive with it. Um, you really can't get better at it unless you're actually doing it. Yeah. Um, I just got a couple of uh, composition notebooks. And because I was already running out 
of space to write stuff down on. That's, and I know we talked about it before. That's something I'm really big on. It's just the act of writing in general. Um, I know most people default to a computer and doing it that way. But for me, it's just like, it's like working the actual muscles of writing. And for me, it's always been an easier thing to do. Um, not that I'm like terrified of a fucking blank screen and a cursor just blinking at me because you get the same thing when you're staring at a piece of paper, you know, you're just waiting to fill it with whatever's in your head. And yeah, I just, I, I kind of want to challenge myself a little bit more. Um, got books, you know, that I need to read. So that's something else I'm going to challenge myself to is to read more, which I think is a good way to get better at writing. Um, you know being a better uh, critic or a uh, writer about film, you got to watch movies. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to challenge myself to write, to study harder, to commit more to reading academically. Cause you know what I'm about to do with this thesis, I need to be, I need to know what I'm talking about. And as I learned uh, a few weeks ago, like people can tell when you're bullshitting them. <laughs> so oh, gotta, hell yeah. Especially Hell. academics. Oh boy, was that was that hard? So I gotta I gotta get better at that. Uh but you know, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not you know, I'm not gonna pull that like, you know, oh, this is my year. This is this is it. None of that. But you know, I know what I'm in for. I'm prepared and we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna do my best. Well, I think if you're not a little scared of what's to come, then I don't know that you're doing it for the right reasons. Um I mean, some people are very confident and they and they are very good at visualizing themselves completing something. It's really good. But I also think they're not acknowledging the uh, the, the fear of the unknown and the fear of failure or whatever. And I think some people take that as discouragement and they don't even get started. But I think you've made a very long journey. I know when I was going through school, um, it was always to get to that point. And then when you're almost there, like I was looking uh, at Facebook the other day and a memory popped up and it was like the day that I had turned in my final paper and I got it back and it was like A plus. And I was like, oh shit, like that's like the last fucking research paper I have to write about a movie and that's it. Like I did it. And that I, I still feel that sense of accomplishment and all that hard work that went into it. Um, a lot of the things that happened to me personally leading up to that moment, um, my mom passed away when I was in college. She worked at the college that I went to. So I had a moment where I was starting to get like panic attacks, just driving up to the school. One day I sat there and I had a full blown panic attack and I, I got through it and then I left. And that was the last time I did something like that because my parents always raised me to never like quit. It was always like, you start something, you finish it. And my mom and my dad worked their asses off to get me there. And it's up to you at that point, you know? And I, and I understand that perspective now that I have kids of my own, it's like, you watch what they can accomplish. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, you, you, you help them, you get them there, but, at some point you let go and they have to do the work. And I wasn't going to let all of their hard work go in vain. So yeah, it was, I understand that what you're going through and, and my parents actually 
talk to me about trying to be a teacher and stuff like that. And I, and I knew straight up, I was like, I just don't have patience for that. I mean, no way I could do it. You, you've got, you've got to want, really, really want to do that. And I just knew that the way I wanted to do my life at that point, teaching just was not going to happen. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. So, but yeah, um, I think, I think you're going to be just fine. You know, you, the, the way you approach things and the way you have a passion for, for learning and for, you know, re- relating the things that you're very uh, knowledgeable about, I think, I think you'll be okay. I mean, and you put up with me and Caleb, so I'm kids will be nothing. Yeah. You know, I've known Caleb since high school. His bullshit is white noise at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I've enjoyed getting to know you. I've, I've, I've seen your commitment to to all this and I admire that. I look forward to actually meeting you next year. (laughs) You just gotta, you just gotta be here when I'm here. That's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's cool to, you know, actually know that the next step like the next step of your life is about to happen a lot of people don't like kind of happens by accident for a lot of people but in my case right now like i know i'm gonna be a different person by the end of the month i mean end of the year end of the month holy shit that'd be scary end of the year (laughs) in three days you're not gonna recognize me (laughs) but uh yeah this is uh this won't change though i'm gonna be doing this like even when i have fucking tenure like this will not change (laughs) i will keep doing this I love doing this. Ah, that was that was cathartic and nice. Um, so New Year's Evil is one of the many holiday-themed slashers that emerged following the success of 1978's Halloween, alongside films like Mother's Day, Christmas Evil, My Bloody Valentine, and, of course, Friday the 13th. Yeah, I don't think there's any holiday at this point that hasn't been tapped at least once. At least Arbor Day. Arbor Day. I mean, wasn't that the happening? <laughs> Yeah, killer trouble. I could, I could give you that. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it was bound to happen. Halloween was such a huge success and a game changer that, you know, it just it has not stopped being replicated. And uh, no, um, I yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think even before Halloween, you had Black Christmas, and I think that kind of like that kind of laid the laid the groundwork for anybody else to find a holiday and kind of mine it for something. I think, I think certain holidays lend themselves more to being in a horror movie than, you know, others. Um, and, and they're all, they're all wonderful in their own weird way. Yeah. I think of, of the ones that like I've seen, I mean, obviously, you know, apart from Halloween, I did like my bloody Valentine. That was fun. And that film will always remind me of the time that Texas almost froze to death. Because <laughs> that's the movie we did that week. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I'm still not that big a fan of Friday the thirteenth. I can't get on I can't get on that bandwagon. That first movie is just it doesn't work for me. I mean, like for me, there are just like certain certain movies that they they may not work for you and you might not enjoy them. I think taking them in the context for like what what they were during during their initial release and what impact they had and like how far out those waves pushed out and what what happened because of it like it's it's almost like these were like stepping stones to 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 greater things 
And and even though by the like when when the first Friday the Thirteenth came out, it was right in the midst of the the slasher boom, and then by what eighty eight eighty nine when and Jason Takes Manhattan came out, it was becoming a parody of itself. And I think I think if you if you enjoy those kinds of things for what they are, you can't you can't really make make them out to be more than what they are in front of you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you can try and like use them as jumping off points for talking about certain things, but I don't know that you can get any kind of heady analysis out of them other than trying to go down some psychoanalysis, fucking Freudian bullshit about these movies and, you know, guys with long knives and stabbing ladies and all that dumb shit. Um, <laughs> but they're fun. Like they're, they're mindless party movies. They're just meant there to to for everyone to enjoy. I mean, yeah, you can watch them by yourself, but you get much more mileage out of them when you're in a, in a room full of people. The beer's flowing like water, and everybody's just out to have fun. That's true. And you know, I've I've I, I'm aware that I these films don't tend to you know resonate with me that much. I noticed that. And I know you guys always, you know, you you see more in some of these films than I do. And that's just, you know, personal preference for me. I don't ever want to take away anything somebody sees in a movie. But, you know, I just I just don't care for it. But I love seeing Jason in space fuck up some idiot scientists. I, I do love watching that one. Yeah. And you get David Cronenberg in there to boot. Yeah, that was fun. I, I started watching Jason X uh, on Christmas Eve with my cousins and. We got five minutes into the movie and then they had to go. I was pissed, but we got, yeah, we got all the way to the, to the cryogenic freeze and then they had to go. (laughs) But that's the best part. I know. I forgot Cronenberg popped up at the beginning of that. And I was just like, wait a minute. And I told them and they're like, what? I don't know who that is. My one cousin was like, I know who that is. (laughs) Well, at least there's hope for half of your family. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the film was directed by Emmett Alston. Who also directed such films as Nine Deaths of the Ninja, Tiger Shark, Demon Warp, and Force of the Ninja. Have you ever you ever seen any of those? No, I haven't. Um, but I mean, got some really catchy titles. Yeah, I want to watch Tiger Shark. It's one yeah. word, by the way. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. So is Demon Warp. That's also one word. All right. This guy likes one word titles. Okay. Right. And ninjas. And ninjas. <laughs> Uh, upon its release, New Year's Evil was not well received. It cost only five hundred thousand to make, but I cannot find any info on its box office performance. Uh, it's pretty critically reviled, but you know, Scream Factory made a collector's edition. This is be- it's a cold classic. People watch it at New Year's, and you know, I get it. They don't really. There's not a lot of New Year's themed horror movies to pop to pop on, and this one, you know, takes the cake. Uh, I mean, it it. It wears it wears its premise on its sleeve. It's not trying to hide what it's about. Yeah, I mean, right up to and including the infectious theme song. <laughs> like when I when I think of that movie, that riff pops into my brain, and like it never leaves. I found out that that song's actually on Spotify, so I was listening to it again today. And I was just like, God damn it, this fucking song! Like I can't get it out of my head. So yeah, it's I. I can appreciate a movie that is not trying to be more than what it is and really just has fun with it. And there are some things that are 
very interesting about this movie that most slashers at that time and since don't really do. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's cheesy for sure. There's a lot of it. That's just like, it feels like it feels like it's existing in like two different eras, which it is because it was 1980 when it came out. So like one decade was ending, a new one was beginning. So you have a lot of crossover, between like the music and the culture, especially in LA of all places, which is where this takes place, where a lot of that happens. And you already have like, LA is a weird place in general. And then you throw in the fact that it's like New Year's Eve in this wild ass town where so many different personalities exist. Like it's, it's always going to feel kind of weird and it really leans into it. And I appreciate it. Yeah. I just wish it leaned a little harder. Like, I feel like this movie should be way more hardcore than it is. It's it's very tame. And I, I think that's what bummed me out the most is I was expecting, you know, this is two years after Halloween's the same year as Friday the 13th. Like, I figured if people were going there, like, was it just the budget holding this thing back? Uh, maybe. I mean, you could also look at who was uh, producing producing it right as soon as I, I watched it, like... Pops right up there, right in front of you. It says the Canon, the Canon group. And I'm like, ah, yes, the mark of undeniable quality right there in front of you. You know, you see those two names, fucking Golan and Globus. And you're like, yep, strap in. You're going to fucking either be screaming at this thing or you're going to be laughing. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, New Year's Evil has an IMDb score of 4.8. Letterboxd of score of 2.6 out of 5 and a Rotten Tomato score of 25%, 15% audience score, no critics consensus. And that's really all I have. So let's let's discuss this movie. Uh, uh yeah, so I think um one thing that's very interesting about this is kind of how it's somewhat misdirecting in the beginning. You know, you have you have Blaze setting up for this whole little New Year's Eve extravaganza and something I I had I'd heard about in somebody writing about it and like looking at it and watching it unfold in front of me. This had a lot of a feel of like very, very early MTV, like doing like their New Year's Rock and Eve thing, where you've got like this personality who's there with the youth and clearly his lady is nowhere near the same age as the people that she's trying to entertain <laughs> you no, know like 25 30 year old son <laughs> yeah <laughs> who is a fucking weirdo holy shit wow <clears throat> um but yeah like they have this it's like a weird like call-in type thing so like at first i was like were they like the very first time i saw this and it's like are they doing a uh a fucking telethon or some shit and it's like no they're requesting songs but i'm like but why like they have a band that clearly like they're there to play their shit. So why are you asking them to play something else? Like you're not even here. What the hell's going on? Yeah. MTV news meets Jerry's kids. It's, it's weird. And yeah, it is weird to have call in music when there's a band right here. Right. That didn't make any sense. Yeah, no, exactly. And they're like rented out some grand ass fucking hotel room. And they have like dirty punk kids coming in there. 
it's like the weird like again it's like a clash of fucking cultures you know you got like this nice grand hotel ballroom shit and you got all these dirty fucking probably sneaking in drugs and fucking booze to all these little punk kids coming there to ring in the new year it's it's weird because some of the punks that they showed like you you what felt to me like when they were doing like the casting for the extras and stuff, it was like, oh, this is going to be a punk thing. Just just wear whatever. Doesn't matter. Just uh, just wear whatever. And people just wearing what they thought was like punk stuff, except for like the main group of extras that they show, like actually arriving to the to the venue and they're talking to the doorman and whatever. Those are like the only ones that I felt like were actual like punks. And they were throwing around new wave in there. I'm like, none of these. None of these people. No, no, no. And then when that band launches into their song, I'm like, this isn't even a punk song. I, mean, what, I don't even know what to call this. This is like some shitty fucking bar rock music, whatever. It's catchy as fuck. I'm not going to lie about that, obviously, because I'm talking about it. Um, it. It's so weird because like you see them like all dancing around and jumping up and down and almost having like this weird little mosh pit or whatever going on during the performance. And then the next song they play is like some slow, like jazzy number or whatever. And they're all like zombie shuffling or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, the only time I've ever actually seen that at a punk show, there is a, there's a band called bad brains and they were coming up. Okay. So you, so you know who I'm talking about yeah. and like in, and in their set, just like in their records, they would play like, really hard fast hardcore punk music but then they also played reggae so like in their sets you would have this frenetic just like beat you in the face three or four songs just over before you know it and then they start playing a a reggae song and you have no idea what to do it's like it's confusing but then you kind of get into the rhythm of it you know like you're just like you kind of take it as a minute to collect yourself and remember like oh i'm I'm here on earth. I'm not like in some wild fucking bar fight or something. And and then the, and then the next fast song comes and it kicks you right in the teeth and you're just like, ah, oh, shit. You're just caught up in the madness again. That was, that was the feeling I got when I saw that little sequence. Um, and I just, I just had to kind of laugh about it a little bit because that it's like the worst, it's like the worst pairing of songs to me. And then on like New Year's too, like you know, like you're trying to have some fun and you're you're killing the vibe, man. Killing the vibe. Well, considering she's constantly saying how much this show means to her, I get the feeling that this is like a I gotta prove I'm still relevant kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm I'm pushing 50. I know I'm not hip, but they can't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I I yeah, I definitely got the feeling like this was kind of like her last chance. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta make this show a hit. Otherwise, I'm just gonna fade into obscurity. I'm gonna have to go fucking read the news or something. Ugh. Yeah. And then her son comes in with like, "Hey, I got a lead in a space show," and she's like, "I don't have time for your success." He's just not even listening to him. I love that later we find out like he didn't use his last name. Like he, they're the only Sullivans in Los Angeles. Like <laughs> that made me laugh. It's like, come on, would it matter? But yeah, Derek just being strange the whole time. I kept, I thought he kept, like when he took the pills, I thought he was killing himself. And then it was just, no, he was just getting high and putting stockings on his face and pins in his ear. And just, then we don't see him again. 
not until the end. And it's like, at first, I felt like they were trying to set him up as the red herring for who's actually doing these things. Because if you think about it, it does kind of make sense that he would do this kind of thing to get back at his mom for not paying attention to him. And you're not supporting my dreams. It's all about you. I'll make you pay type shit. Um, That's not what happens. And that's something else that's interesting about this because as soon as that first phone call comes in, the perspective of this movie changes and you're following the killer through the rest of the movie and you see who he is which is something else that doesn't happen very often and then you're kind of like following this guy as he's doing these things which you're welcome scream for introducing a killer using a voice modulator on the phone making threatening phone calls (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah like that little that little moment like it, it it basically sets up the entire movie you know I'm I'm here in L.A., but I'm going to kill people corresponding with each time it hits midnight in each time zone. So, you know, at least three people are going to die before Blaze gets it. She's the last one. She's the one this is all about. So. Again, it's like with with a lot of the a lot of these slashers and stuff that like that that don't work or you're not like you don't get it. It's like, it's not necessarily about like the, the setup. It's how they go about getting there. And I think this, that's what makes this movie interesting and different than anything else that came out after it, especially in terms of like the holiday horror type thing. I'll give you that. It is, you know, it's, it's, it's weird seeing our killer as just a guy. Cause you know, I'm surprised he didn't have that weird clown mask the whole time. That was Okay. So that was something um, the uh, these guys on the junk food cinema podcast brought up. Uh, C. Robert Cargill and I think it was, I think, ironically enough, I think the guy's name is Brian Sullivan. I think could be wrong. <laughs> Don't shoot me for that. Um, but yeah, that was something they brought up there. Like that mask is fucking terrifying. Uh, before we before we started recording, I put it out on my Instagram story at that picture of him wearing that fuck. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that is that Laurel or Hardy? I don't I know it's one of their faces. It's it's Laurel. Yeah. So imagine that. Like that would have been infinitely more terrifying going around wearing that fucking thing. Then again, he does he kind of pulls uh a fade to black um in an in that he is disguising himself each time he goes out and he kills people. Some of them are more, you know simple than others you know just wearing a fucking wearing some scrubs and a jacket and i'm a doctor um or you know he fucking puts on that fucking fake ass mustache and goes to the bar trying to pick up this lady um but yeah like if you haven't seen fade to black yet you really should that's another um it's another la uh slasher movie but it's another one that you're you're following the uh you're following the person that's doing all of these things, but it's, it's weird. It has like a taxi driver kind of feel to it as it's like, it's this real like character study of a person just like losing it. Like you, you, you see this guy and like life just fucking keeps kicking him in the teeth. And finally he just like snaps and he's had, he's had enough. 
and he just takes it out on everybody that's ever fucked with him. That's another good one. Um, but yeah, like following following this guy around as he's doing what he's doing, and it it even gets comedic at one point. Like the first one is pretty like pretty straightforward. He plays doctor, and within ten minutes, he's like about to nail this chick. Which, come on, even in nineteen eighty, I don't I don't buy that. the The movies have exaggerated the power of new year's eve to the point of unbelievability <laughs> all you got to do is show up with a bottle of champagne and a fucking witty smile and somebody's going to drop their pants for you it's it's guaranteed to happen one and one makes two i love when she's like hey i've known you for 10 minutes and he's like does it matter she's like not tonight <laughs> fuck you have beaten me that that yeah yeah you know what just because i can't come back to that Guess I gotta sleep with you. <laughs> For me, I was expecting there to be like a, a cult behind this or something. Cause I, the whole time I kept thinking, how is he getting from New York to LA in one night? Like that, bo- that bothered me more than anything. It's like that, <clears throat> that just didn't make any fucking sense. And they never bothered to bring it up. Well, no, like, so all he's doing is it should, he's still in LA the whole time. Obviously, you find that out later when the big reveal is done. But he is still in L.A. He's just killing people in accordance with when midnight's dropping in each respective time zone. Oh, so, okay. I'm a fucking idiot then. Yeah. So, like, it's okay, Connor. It happens to the best of us. I thought he uh, was literally, like, one in New York, one in the Midwest. One in- <laughs> well, he he lays it out like that. So, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong for assuming that. And yeah. actually... That might not be a bad way if you were going to try and like reboot this or put your own spin on it, that this would be something to do and to have like some big hand puppeteering all of it might not be a bad thing. So stick that in your back pocket. Yeah. If I ever get the phone call to to write a remake of New Year's Evil, I'll have something to pitch. No, dude, just write your own short. Just fucking just do that. I feel really fucking stupid because I really the whole time thinking like there's no way he got there that fast. Like, God damn it. <laughs> Hell no. He would have had to kill somebody in New York. And then the first plane he gets on, he's fucked his whole time thing. He's fucked his whole timeline up, which actually happens to him at one point. Like when uh when he fucking like has to like steal somebody else's car, like that's where like the the hilarity of it in like following this guy. And you're like, he's not as fucking good at this as he thinks he is. Not yeah, one dude. fucking bit. He's this just, a- like you said, he's just a dude. And he hey. is fucking terrible at this. He's a dude who's pissed that his wife is a little flirty. So he's like, I'm going to murder and that'll teach her. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. Like that's, yeah. But yeah, we, we do end up finding out, which again, just like finding out how dumb a lot of the people are in these movies, especially the cops. Cops are the fucking worst. They're just flat out like won't even like go after the guy at one point. They're like, yeah, we're not gonna do it. We're just gonna wait for him to kill somebody again. Like, She's like, you gotta you expect this kind of thing with your lifestyle, right? Right. <laughs> Make it blaming her. Like, yeah, you, really, it's your fault. You did this, just like her husband thinks it's you. You're the bad one here, not me. They said I was crazy. But what's yeah? What's crazy? Murder or flirting with other men? You tell me, Blaze. Hmm. I'm gonna go with murder. 
the best the best like bad guy name he could come up with is evil right well that's like the whole thing so like that was the name of her show new year's evil like you know like that's that's why i said like they leaned really hard into their into their whole premise it's the name of the show it's the name of the fucking song it's the name of the dude killing people it's like i don't know how much harder you want them to lean into it connor but i think you're hitting the nail on the head with your time zone fucking cult so like i said keep that in your back pocket flesh that out a little bit more you know workshop it see what happens i just might i do love the song though shadows new year's evil is a is a banger it it really really is and if that's not on your new year's eve playlist people you're not doing it right I'm just going to tell you that right now. You're just not doing it right. Yeah, that's how I want to ring in the year. You know, get rid of all those evil spirits. Keep them in 2022. Damn right. Fucking <laughs> let New Year's Evil drop your ball. Um. All right. So he stabs in. Oh, okay. Sally and Lisa. This was so fucking hilarious. I mean, only in L in L.A. in 1980 with a fake porno like porno mustache, could you name drop Eric Estrada and pick up two chicks in the bar? Yeah. And when you were really only trying to get one, you only wanted one. You ended up getting two. I love that fucking way when she's asking him what time it is. And he goes, oh, let me check here. Fucking seriously, dude. Seriously. <laughs> it's almost as bad as like trying to like go reach for something and you fucking strike some Hulk Hogan pose. Like, yeah, let me get that for you. Oh yeah. Oh, oh that. <laughs> yeah. That's just my biceps. 18 inch pythons. They almost don't fit in my Mercedes Benz. Fucking guy. His fucking hairdo, man. That fucking hair was something else. I'm a little jealous, but Hey, works. It's that perfect bridge. To, like, that feathered fucking seventies hair to going like straight up fucking. I live under a freeway mullet. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> I do love that Sally's like, I got to bring my roommate. You might be a weirdo. It's like, well, finally somebody thinking things through. She knows what's up. She's she's dumb, but she's not stupid. True. I do love that. Like, she just randomly name drops. Like, oh yeah, my roommate recently got over her chronic diarrhea. <laughs> Like, why would you? <laughs> Lisa's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and this I guy's mean, just really... like irritated, like, oh, I gotta deal with these blondes. <laughs> Can you imagine if his if his whole like his whole intention was just to like hook up with them? And he's like, Well, I really only hook wanted to hook up with you, but you're cute too. Oh no, she just got over diarrhea, and you're like, Oh, that sucks. Yeah, Sally going, make no mistake, he's mine, bitch. Yeah, right, right. No, 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 no. He's sleeping in my room tonight. <laughs> They're both sleeping in Eric Estrada's guest room if things go as good as they could go. I mean, that was the promise, you know? You're going to we're going to take you there and fucking he's going to be wearing his fucking chips outfit and panties will drop. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I it's just a party for clients. Oh, I handle business investments. I do business like a businessman. I'm a businessman. This mustache, business. I love when people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about just name drop like, oh, I'm a businessman. Investments, yeah. you know, Dow Jones, the glass ceiling, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> I work with money. It's not my money, but it's money. So I make money, just not for me, for other people who pay, 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's really complicated. Yeah. Anyway, you want to see what Eric Estrada's mattress looks like? Right, right. <laughs> um, so he goes. They go to stop at the liquor store. Lisa goes in to get the champagne. I thought I thought it was weird that the the liquor store guy seems so scared. Yeah, that was a weird ass scene. Like it could have been very easy, quick transactional fucking happening, and you just get this weird moment where he's like. Happy New Year. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, here's your change. <laughs> yourself. Right? Like, like, what do you know? The... Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Has this guy been here before? Did he do this? Did you recognize that mustache from somewhere? I've seen that mustache before. Have mustache always means trouble. <laughs> it was so out of place. Like, did they not have enough money in the budget for a second take? I guess they're just like, all right, I guess we'll roll with that. Thanks. Look, canon is not about second takes. You get it one one and done, baby. On to the next shot. <laughs> he does kill her with the bag. He kills Sally with the bag, which I thought was like, you know, anytime there's a, you know, plastic bag kill, always takes me back to Black Christmas. I was I was just about to bring that up. Like he uh he 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 gave her the Black Christmas. Not only that, I might have to revisit this uh theory I just had about Sally. Maybe she is stupid. Because he he just goes, yeah, I got some really good grass here. You want to smell it? I'm like, no, you don't put your, that bag is huge. Nobody has that much weed in a bag in their car that they're just driving around with. That's the kind of shit you have on your coffee table at home. Not that I've ever done that. So nobody come after me. All I'm saying is you don't smell the bag. If somebody says, here, smell this. No, I'm good, bro. Why don't you waft it to me? Let's do that. Yeah. Also, like, it's, I mean, there, it was dark, but there's enough light in there for you to tell that that, that bag is empty. <laughs> like, Sally, come on. <laughs> you, come on. It's hard to feel bad when you, you just let it happen that easily. Oh, my God. I mean, and then, then he can't. dumps her in the dumpster and, like, waits <laughs> for Lisa. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> so weird. Like, the first time I saw that, I thought that when he sent her into the liquor store, he was just going to drive off and just go kill the chick. Like, that's what I thought he was going to do. And <laughs> nope, he pulled the old want to smell what's in the bag. Like, can't be that easy. Apparently it is. Yeah, you get your you get your hands on a fake mustache and you name drop enough B, like D-list celebrities. You can get away with anything. And then he just, Lisa opens the dumpster and he's there with a lighter, like, ha like the boogeyman. <laughs> God, that was funny. Uh, and then he dresses up as a priest and goes to the drive-in. Because <laughs> that happens all the time. I always see fucking Father O'Sullivan at the drive-in, you know, just looking for cars to sit in. I do love when he like that one biker guy comes up and he's like, I, I, I am not a violent person, my son, and then stabs him in the gut. Right. <laughs> That's perfect. What was that guy? Th- the biker must have been like, this is a weird night. <laughs> you don't get stabbed by a priest very often. <laughs> no, I mean, depends on what your definition of getting stabbed by a priest is, but. Oh, hey, oh, <laughs> ouch. Damn. <laughs> And then that guy who gets carjacked by a priest. Like, what story is he? Like, a priest stole my car and my girlfriend. (laughs) He's never going to live that down. Like, 
all your street cred gone. You're gonna be the you're gonna be the butt of a joke for the rest of your life. Like priest walks into a drive-in. Oh, that's right. You got carjacked, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that sucks, huh? Also, I imagine, like, isn't it hard? To, I haven't been to a drive-in in a long time. Isn't it hard to get out of there once you're parked? They can be. It kind of depends on how they're set up. Um, I know the ones I used to go to in California, they were they were kind of flat. But, like, the place where you would go to, like, drive your car up to to park, they were, like, all, like, on little hills. So you would... Your car would be at an angle facing moving up so you could see almost like they were kind of like seats in a way where like you could kind of like see over the cars in front of you. So your view of the screen wasn't obstructed. Um, And then there are some that are almost like uh, amphitheaters. Um, There was one in Washington that Caleb and I went to. And that's the way it was set up. Like the screen was down more at ground level and then the rest of it was built back up into rows and you were just like crisscross in to get to your spot wherever you wanted to park at. And then you would just sit that way. That way you've got, again, an unobstructed view of the screen. So it just kind of depends on where they're built and how they're set up. Okay. Just seems like a car, a drive-in would be a very inconvenient place to carjack somebody. Oh, no, it absolutely is. I mean, yeah. now he was very mindful to uh, remove the speaker because that was definitely something that could, you know, cause some damage yeah, it's true. Uh, he drives off with the blonde lady. The blonde lady immediately starts trying to negotiate. And it's like, hey, you know, we can get it on if you want. I don't mind. And he's like, yeah, just don't kill me. Yeah, that was actually really sad. It's like, oh, please don't rape this lady. <laughs> well, from what we saw earlier, him getting it on is not his in his fucking plan. He'll 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 get you to that point just so he can stay stab you not in the good way no no yeah she escapes into the woods and he's like shit and then i guess he just moves on well i mean he he's he's on a timeline that's the thing like he doesn't want anything to stop his timeline i think that's something else we forgot to bring up which is actually rather creepy about this about this guy and what he does is he records each person that he kills and then when he's calling Blaze, he is playing that to her to let her hear that, yeah, this isn't a joke. This is actually happening, and I'm doing this. And it it's it's a really kind of terrifying thing that this guy is recording the murders that he's committing and then torturing somebody with them, essentially. You know, basically saying, this is what's going to happen to you. You're next. This is coming. And I want you to hear everything that happens before it happens to you. Like that's, that's fucking sick. So conceptually, when you think about it, even though this is a largely bloodless movie for the most part, I mean, there are, there are some bits here and there. The idea of it is pretty terrifying. That whole concept reminded me a lot of peeping Tom, just, you know, the voyeuristic side of murder and, I, li- I like that stuff. I like when things get personal, when it turns into like, a, oh, shit, that could happen to me kind of horror. So I did. A, I did like that. Um, One thing I wanted to point out, we, we meet the second band made in Japan uh, and they start playing their song Banzai. Uh, 
That song has the same melody as Cream's Tales of Brave Ulysses. I just want that known. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so maybe so they weren't made in Japan. Maybe not. Maybe they were stealing from England. <laughs> made in Japan, assembled in England. Uh, uh, Richard shows up at the at the party, immediately kills a cop easily. Oh, man, that was so fucking funny when he's sitting there on the other side of the parking garage like, hey, I think I found a criminal. Like, because that's what's going to, oh, really? You found a criminal? Oh, you did my job for me. Thanks. Let's go see what happens. Disembodied voice I can't see. Like, what? You deserve that shit. I'm sorry. (laughs) You fucking deserve that. Not only that, did you catch how fat that cop was? (laughs) And then when he puts on his uniform, amazingly, it fits. Maybe it's like that self-fitting shirt from Back to the Future (laughs) 2. That same technology. He just taps the badge and sucks to him. (laughs) Yeah, it's... And all these cops know, like, there's a killer on the loose who's trying to get into the party. Don't let anybody in. So maybe the disembodied voice from across the way, you might want to call that in be like, uh, can I get a badge number? For real. Or, you know, like, hey, why don't you, like, step out so I can see you? Like, just do that. Just do that. Do what most... Well, I'm okay. I'm not going to say cops are lazy. I will. Um, (laughs) But, like, be lazy. Fucking, like, no, I need to see who's over there. I'm not just going to walk over there like a moron. And then when he goes through the door, like, he just walks in. Just walks the fuck in. And the other cop doesn't doesn't even question him. Like, hey... That's not your name. I know who that guy is. He's a lot fatter than you are. Like nothing. No one question is like, "Hey, buddy, what's up?" Yeah, Which George, you lost happens. all that weight pretty quickly. Like, yeah, what right? are you on? <laughs> are you on the cocaine diet? It's the eighties, so yeah, probably. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, he gets inside. He sets his little thing up with the elevator, and he goes. He puts on the creepy mask. He goes to Blaze's room. And surprise them. That's when he learned. Ah, it's it's her it's her husband. Ah. And I gotta say, I called that shit coming quite a while ago. Like, I mean, yeah, dad's in Palm Springs, but you keep bringing him up. Come on, yeah, like it's he he's kind of mentioned in a throwaway sense. So like, while you're not like thinking of him actively, he, like the seed was planted for sure. And yeah, like they're they are trying to set up Derek as. Maybe, maybe he is really weird. No, he's definitely really weird. Maybe he is doing all of this. And I think they dropped that ball and they should have shown him being a little more unhinged and possibly like more threatening to his mom at that point. Um, Or, you know, maybe just like going off really pissed off, you know, it's like leaving and being really upset. And then this stuff starts happening. But the way the movie's written and the way the movie's played out, that's not going to work because we're riding with the killer the whole time. No. So. Well, she's, she's, you know, she's happy to see him and he's like, I had to talk with our son. And, you know, he, I love the cop, the one cop who initially didn't even want to be there is all of a sudden like, something's not kosher here. And now he's doing his job. He's like, I want you to look up a Richard Sullivan. And they're like, oh, yeah, it turns out he's a nut. And the agent's like, I told you he was crazy. Like, all of a sudden, 
it's all coming to light. And he ties her up and tells her why he's doing this because he's fed up of all the flirting. And he's like, you're a bad mother. <laughs> it's like, this is, a, this is a weird motivation for a, for a killing spree in a slasher well, movie. Well, I mean, coming from a crazy person, yeah, it 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 makes sense if he if he is crazy that like yeah of course you're gonna go off and kill a bunch of people for a totally you know yeah, totally yeah. something you shouldn't fucking go kill people for of course you're gonna do that my my biggest fucking laugh came yeah. when the cop was knocking on the door and he was like how'd you get in here oh I was just in the john the whole time like really you're taking the world's longest shit and nobody knew you were up here really. Really? Really? Yeah, all right. Okay. Well, I'll just the, be out here if you need me. The LAPD's A-team was not sent to guard this hotel that night. No, Clearly. they were out fucking storming somebody's house for nothing and killing people. Yeah, yeah, as you do. And I, don't know, I just felt like, you know, compared to other slasher icons of the time, this just felt kind of, you know, small potatoes. Oh, definitely. It's it's not it's not going to go on my mount my uh, my Mount Rushmore of slashers for sure. Um, but like I said, I think what I really enjoy about it is just how it goes about it and what they're doing with it that other movies don't really do often, if at all. You know, a lot of them are always about keeping the identity of the killer hidden and their motivations hidden, blah blah blah. And this just throws it right at you. It's like, this is what's going to happen. And while you might think that we're going to sit here with the pretty lady doing her New Year's evil show, no, you're going to be riding shotgun with this maniac while he's going around killing people. Um, to use the word, like, yeah, like I just said, maniac, even the movie Maniac, it's all about being with Joe Spinell while he's just completely losing his shit and murdering sex workers <clears throat> the the entire time um i think what makes maniac work more is the fact that it is relentless that movie is relentless yeah and i ex i expect relentlessness from my slasher movie i want to see people just getting butchered nonstop. i don't even need a motive i just want psycho with an axe psycho with a knife psycho with a big ass shotgun something and this guy just felt like, you know, tiny knife, bloodless murder, four or five deaths, personal petty motivation. I don't know. I just, I didn't buy him. I I felt like this was, this was going to be, this was like the perfect reaction from a petty person. You know, he thinks it's a completely like extravagant and well thought out plan. And he can't even execute that well. He can't even do this right. You know, and on top of that, he is. He's so controlling of this whole experience that he kills himself. He's like, you're not going to get me. I'm just going to quote fucking Shakespeare and jump off the fucking building because I'm a fucking idiot. And he gets what he deserves. Like, yeah. Way to ruin your son's pilot there, Richard, because there's no way he's going to he's going back to that show. He's got a legacy to carry on now. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, and that was definitely what they were setting up when he's fucking right, driving the ambulance at the end of it. It's like, aha, going to go take a page out of daddy's book, huh? 
How can we get like six Silent Night, Deadly Nights, but only one New Year's Evil? I don't know. I feel like there's potential here. There's more. There's more story here. What's oh, Derek's yeah. Reign of Terror going to be like? Honestly, I think if they if they were to have like made a sequel out of this, I don't know that they could have gotten much mileage out of that character as it was written because he's pretty fucking two dimensional. You know, he's just a whiny fucking ignored kid who doesn't even want to do anything. He just fucking wants admiration from his parents and encouragement. One of them's a nut. He's definitely not getting any fucking attention from him. The other one is so self-absorbed that he just goes forgotten. And if, if he was really going to do something, he's really going to fucking make an impact. He would have done something to just completely ruin his mom. That's what he should have done. He should have just done something completely unhinged during that show. If that would have been like, you know, like done during the performance in there somewhere, I think that would have been a really good way to end it versus being some sad ass fucking dive off the fucking top of the building. Yeah. And Derek, you know, he's, I feel like he's too old for that kind of reaction you know it's like like mommy mommy watch what i can do and then he's like mommy you're not watching yeah (laughs) he's like like 30 yeah just (laughs) be happy for your own success just yeah be be proud you got out from under your parents shadow and you're gonna make something yourself maybe don't go wait in your mom's hotel room the entire night yeah yeah red stocking red herring (laughs) Mm. there you go little obvious Mm. Oh, wait! I do find it funny that the nut father is like, you're not being a very good mother. Like, I talked to my son and he is proud of this. Why aren't you acknowledging his success? It's like, you just killed six people. Yeah. Like, what? Who cares what you think? Right. And the only one and he even says it. He's like, I'm going to kill people that are close to you. And it's like you killed one person that was close to her. The other yeah, people are like me. randos. I kept expecting there to be like the reveal, like, oh, the nurse was her sister or like. That blonde lady was her cousin or something, but not, no. <laughs> Just shows how fucking well thought out this was. Way to go, Dick. <laughs> yeah, Dick Sullivan. Not my, not, not you know, he, he's no Jason Voorhees, my friend. No, no, not one bit. Uh, um, here are two film guys and facts for New Year's Evil. Number one. The movie was selected to screen at Quentin Tarantino's New Beverly Cinema in Los Angeles on December 29th, 2018, when a 35 millimeter print was uh, project projected. So this is part of Tarantino's collection, and he shows it at the New Beverly on New Year's sometimes, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that dude's got a huge ass collection of things, and I'm not surprised that this was a movie that he showed. Um, he he would probably be a good source of knowledge for this because he fucking knows everything about every movie ever which is astounding. Um, Did you pick up his book yet? I did. I bought it for my uncle for Christmas. And then it turns out my mom had already bought that book for my uncle for Christmas. So I kept it. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to read it after I write my thesis and the book with Austin. So nice. Let's say March, 2024. (laughs) Here you go. Just, just keep staring at it on your shelf. Yep. I'll pencil that in. (laughs) I want to read it. I really do. <laughs> yeah, no, um, like hearing him talk, um, he uh, he comes on every now and again on the Pure Cinema podcast, which is run by um, 
like I guess it's like sponsored in a way by the new Beverly. So he'll come on every now and again to talk. Um, you won't be surprised to learn that the episodes that he's on are like three hours long because he can fucking talk. Um, so yeah, like it's really fascinating. He did a whole episode one time on public domain, like movies that are in the public domain and it like blew me away. Um, I think I was driving back from West Virginia one time and I saw that and I was like, well, it sounds interesting and I've got plenty of time. So yeah, it was really fascinating to hear him talk about, you know, public domain movies and just be able to really like illustrate the significance of them. You know, something that most people either have never even heard of more than likely, because that's just how he does. Um, but just hear him talk about movies. I could listen to that guy talk about movies for fucking hours. I mean, clearly I did. So, yeah, he's oddly insightful. And, you know, he he has just the vibe of such a, like, you know, a horrendous douchebag. But he's such, he is fucking brilliant. Like, it is weird. He's, like, earned his right to be a douchebag. Not a lot of people have that. And what so, he has to say is actually, you know, good shit. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, to me, he's like the uh, the good side to uh, the comic book guy's fucking shitty side of the coin when it comes to somebody who has like worked in a video store, been around movies their whole life, knows a lot about a lot of movies and his enthusiasm for it. Like you can start having a conversation with him, bring up one movie or an actor or any like any crew member and he'll go, Oh yeah, well they worked on this movie and this movie. And if you haven't seen that movie, you should really watch this movie. And it's, and you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it. This movie kind of has a lot to do with this. And it just, he just keeps going. And like, you're just trying to like furiously write down all the titles that he's throwing at you. So you can like go back and see these things. And the way he's able to put those influences into his, into his films um, is pretty amazing. And to emulate styles is very, very interesting. I mean, you don't see too many filmmakers that do that. They always try to do something, you know, their ways, my vision and blah, blah, blah. And Tarantino's like, no, nah, dude, I'm gonna make a Kung Fu movie. Yeah. I'm going to make that. a spaghetti Western. And yeah, he goes I, and something does it. Yeah. I like just, you know, he's like, I, I want to make a movie where Brad Pitt's a stuntman. And then everyone's just like, go ahead. Because <laughs> he's earned it. <laughs> Yeah, and he, yeah, he, he, you know, people flock to him and want to work with him. His theater is like the most exciting and cool theater I've ever been to in my life. It's yeah, I got a lot of respect for Tarantino, and yeah, I'm glad that he has an affinity for New Year's Evil. Um, and number two, a making of behind the scenes retrospective documentary entitled "Call Me Evil: The Making of New Year's Evil." was made in 2015 and first released especially for the movie's first ever Blu-ray. So I'm assuming it's on the Scream Factory Edition, but uh, I would like to see. I wish I'd been able to watch this. I looked for it on YouTube. I couldn't get it. This, this would have helped get me some background info on this film. But, uh, you know, maybe one day I'll check it out. If I can. Yeah, um, I don't know if the Scream Factory is out of print. Um, I, I'm not sure. I know that... Um, 88 films in the UK, they released it as well. So um, I don't know if you've gotten around to 
or plan to invest in a region free player at some point. Um, Cause sometimes things just go out of print so fast before you're like, Oh yeah, I should really get that. And then by the time you think about it again, it's gone. And you're like, fuck, like this is just another Avenue to exploit. Um, so I, I, I encourage anybody who is very adamant about watching movies. Um, it's something you should consider at some point, you know, investing in region free just opens your doors to an entire world of movies that you would never be able to watch otherwise. Cause you're not going to get everything on YouTube and I don't condone piracy. So don't do it. No, I, I have a region free DVD player, but I do need to upgrade it to a Blu-ray. And I will do that eventually when I have money. <laughs> Gotta get some well, of that. First. Yeah. You're in the wrong line of work being a fucking teacher. When I have money, he says, well, I've been a teaching assistant for the past few years and that, I mean, it's paid enough for me to live comfortably, but uh, that's over now. So I got to I got to get a real job. <laughs> uh, I give New Year's Evil a six. It's not terrible, but I also I find it extremely tame, kind of boring at times. It left me wanting more. Yeah, I gave it a seven, uh, mostly because it just I I just can't like not have fun when I'm watching it. Um I think the the riding along with uh, old Dick while he's doing his thing, um, it just gets really funny at times. I mean, like when he gets chased by the bikers, like that's it's fucking hilarious because you're just laughing at this dude. Like he thinks he's so fucking cool, thinks he's so smart and he's going to get away with this. And he can't even fucking he can't even go without pissing off some bikers and almost getting his ass kicked. So, yeah, it's I do wish that he would have like just kept the mask, like just wear that. You know, even if it's like a thing that like you you wear the mask when you kill the people, you know, something that's going to just like you turn around and they're like, what the f- oh shit. Like that would have been that would have been something that would have really because if you search this movie, that's like one of the images that pops up is him in that mask. And he wears it like twice, I think, in the whole. Yeah, fucking- that sucks. That, that would have been I think that would have helped. I think that would have made it a little bit creepier, would have probably got me on board a little bit more. Uh. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And you know the drill. If you like the show, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can send us a message there, or you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Check out our website, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films, and every episode of our shows. If you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate it. Well, that wraps our third year of production. Uh, been a ride i'm looking forward to the fourth we'll be back next week with one of the most iconic horror films ever made a phenomenal way to start 2023 hosted by our very own josh allred we are covering george romero's timeless undead classic dawn of the dead when there's no more room in hell the dead will walk the earth and they're heading back to their neighborhood mall join us next week with one of our biggest episodes yet i know you've been waiting for this one for quite a while look there are like I think I think it was one of these questions I got posed out. You know, it's like give a list of movies that represent your personality, and one of them is the Toxic Avenger, which, if I'm not mistaken, that was the very first podcast I recorded with you guys. Um, and then it's like Dawn of the Dead, that's one of them. Um, Lucio Fulci's fucking The Beyond, like very, very, very few things like that that I would consider sacred to me. Dawn of the Dead is probably like 
one of those movies. Like it, it means a lot to me. Um, the fact that I could talk about it and write about it in college and things like that. Um, it, it was, it was a treat, um, much like a, you know, writing a fucking article or a paper about the toxic Avenger in college, being able to do those kinds of things and take these movies that I really have an affinity for and put them on a pedestal. Um, I mean, what hasn't been said about Dawn of the Dead by now? Um, I just, I look forward to being able to talk to you guys with it uh, and to gush about it. I mean, I own it now on 4K, DVD, uh, VHS, and a friend of mine, Laura, she got me the Laserdisc for Christmas. Japanese <laughs> Laserdisc. Um, so yeah, I'm just waiting for more shelf space or a decent like hefty frame I can uh put it in so I can mount it on my wall because I don't have a laser disc player and whatever. But like yeah, um it's a great movie. Um I think it's still relevant. A lot of the things that George is putting out there, much like with a lot of his films, um he's 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 managed a way to hold up a mirror to society and show us what we are and not really like telling us anything, you know, like not being like not casting judgment, just saying like, this is what we are. And this is what's going to happen to us. If we continue doing the things that we're doing to each other, we're literally going to eat each other or, you know, get consumed by the madness of our own mortality. And we're just going to kill each other anyway. Like it's, it's a very interesting thing. And I think he laid those foundations in like night of the living dead and dawn of the dead is kind of like, for me, it's like the peak of that trilogy of night, dawn and day. Um, day of the dead is one of the more nihilistic Romero movies. I think there's always some kind of hope in Romero movies, but, the, but day of the dead has none. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to kick off the new year with one of my favorite movies ever. I am legitimately surprised y'all don't have a laser disc player. <laughs> Look, give me time. I will get one. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> ah, this is this is a long time coming and is going to kick off the year with a killer episode and a fantastic movie. Uh, don't miss waiting on Fridays Beyond the Bad, an epic draft of the best of 2022's films on Oscar Sunday, and a new fake true stories on Disney's Pocahontas. Until then, have a happy new year and thanks for watching movies. Thank <laughs> you.